Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, the final hour is here for this Tuesday edition of Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network. Glad you're streaming us live on YouTube. If you saw the one tweet we sent out with the link, thank you for finding us there on X. And, uh, yeah, join us in the chat there. Chad's back tomorrow. Uh, he'll join you in the chat live on YouTube. And you can find us live at Outkick.com plus this great radio station. Um Props to the crew here in Nashville for flat out getting it done. Six in the Peabody are location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Um, we've got Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, coming up in about 20 minutes. He's got some big thoughts and opinions on the top players across the country. We'll see how the Heisman is shaping up for him halfway through the season now. And we'll even turn our attention a bit to the NFL Craziness with uh, the Patriots and where they're headed, which is nowhere, fast, maybe worse. Can it get worse? It, it absolutely could. 72-3, to three, the final score of the last two games. Um, and Mac Jones being benched two straight games now. What does he think based on having scouted him? Plus, he's worked within the Patriots organization as a scout in the past. We'll also get his take on Brock Purdy and much more. Mario Cristobal deserves the harsh criticism if not the worst decision one of the worst decisions we've ever seen as far as college football coaching not taking the knee knee on the football and the game's over you beat georgia tech instead we know what happens falls on the ground they can't tackle two plays later touchdown georgia tech pulls the upset over miami and once again, Cristobal hands those backing his team a, a bad beat. He did this in years past against Stanford, for instance. He does it again. No bad beats with points bet. If you haven't taken your shot with points bet, now's the perfect moment. Big reason, exclusively for the first time uh, points bet users, grab this unique offer. Points bet users get up to $1,000 in second chance bets. If your first bet doesn't go as planned, Points Bet has your back with a second chance. Get this offer by visiting outkick.com slash bet. Outkick.com slash bet. That's where you complete the registration process with Points Bet and you make your first bet. If your first bet happens to lose, that's when your second chance bet comes into play. Remember, terms and conditions apply. You've got to be 21 or older in legal gambling states. Legal uh, gambling states uh, listed at outkick.com slash bet. Gambling problem, 1-800-GAMBLER. Head over to outkick.com slash bet right now to grab this offer. Uh, Cristobal continues to own the mistake, but I mean, th this is one of the dumbest decisions given the situation and given that you've been in that situation before clock management, knowing that the opponent doesn't have any timeouts, knowing that you can drain it, you take the knee and you get out of there with a victory. We see that happen with teams that just take the knee and go to the locker room at halftime so they don't turn the football over and give their opponent short field with a chance at a chip shot. In this case, short field, no. Just you stop Georgia Tech, tackle them. They couldn't do that. 
but the the egg is on the face of Mario Cristobal. Apologize and own it all you want, and he's done that. He said, yeah, I should have just uh, stepped in and said, yeah, take the knee. Too little, too late. And that that's a decision, Davey, that I think haunts him now. That's one that the fan base, the boosters, uh, the university, those covering, that's one you just don't escape given situations like we saw on Saturday. And you don't. And let's, it follows you. Let's say they come out and they end up beating the 12th-ranked North Carolina Tar Heels this week. It's not going to matter because a one-loss ACC team's not no. making the college football playoff. So their schedule lightens up after this week a little bit in terms of, of what they have seen, but you're not coming back from that this year. And, and whenever – it's moving to the 12-team playoff. You'll obviously have more opportunities, but with the last year for the four-team, an undefeated ACC champion is likely in. And right now, that looks as though it's going to be Florida State. And I don't think Miami could beat Florida State, but you would at least they give could. yourself I a mean, chance yeah, I know. if you had won that game. And to just have it go in that fashion is terrible. And like players, or not players, but fans nowadays are more familiar with game styles, game scripts, by growing up playing Madden, playing NCAA football. So they're sitting there on the couch, at least a lot of them, for like fans like me, diehard fans, realizing like what they are doing in that moment. And you're a coach being paid millions and millions of dollars. Millions. And you have support staff, more support staff now than they've ever had in the history of college football, and not one person comes to you and says, hey, let's not do this. That's problematic. And that, that falls on more than just the head coach, in my opinion, in Miami. Well, yeah, agreed. But so... But he says, like, <laughs> some of the comments this week. And uh, look, he, he can't do anything but own it. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, at least a good first step. I can't do anything but think, not just the call, but the reaction on the bench from the Miami players, the Hurricanes players, and what they're thinking about. What are what just happened? What, what are we doing? And I, I said yesterday, like, if there are middle school students that know how to make a victory formation and the fact that you train and you practice and you plan hours on end for the victory formation and then you don't call the victory formation that is a fireball offense with cause mm -hmm. to me if a head coach making that much money can't just take a knee and allow his team to get out of there with a victory. I mean, this is on Mario. There's no other way around it. But I am curious as to, was there a player on the field that just said, wait, wait, wait a second. Like, let's let's talk this over. Why are we doing this? Did anyone raise an alarm as far as we don't need to do this? You would think there's enough players out there with a football intelligence level to realize the situation. No, this is not on them. It's, it's not on them, this but like, I'm them. just curious. Like, I'm adding to that conversation of, did someone at least realize this? Or is it just like, it's a a systemic pro problem from the top down and people aren't even thinking for themselves. It's just a boneheaded mistake where the players run the play that's called in there, you know, and it's in this case, they literally ran it. And then Georgia tech ran it in the end zone <sighs> on a, on a bomb. It was just so stupid, so stupid. And it follows you. I play armchair quarterback, but if, I, if I'm in that situation, I like to think, hey, I'd be like, wait a second, let's, let's hold up here. Streaming has already reached the NFL, right? You got Amazon. They're paying a billion for the Thursday night football rights. We're going to see this moving forward in the college football playoff. And I think, Davey, that's when we'll see 
uh, Amazon, Apple, Warner Brothers Discovery is now in the mix now. The streaming aspect and the money coming in, that to me is what will dictate the separation of the power conference and the rest of college football. Do you agree? I, I do. I, I still think as far as once this current rights deal ends for the college football playoff, ESPN, Fox will likely be the ones to walk away with the deal. But, uh, I mean, I, I'm kind of curious to see if, if somebody can – Make that split happen. But keep in mind, like I, I think the networks have pretty much maxed out on the money they're going to pay. So if you're going to, and, and they're they're paying a lot, just just ask the SEC or the Big Ten and ask Florida State mm-hmm. what those what those programs are making. Um, if you're maxed out, if you're going to get a hundred million, you're not going to get much more from the networks. What's next? Well, Warner Brothers Discovery owns HBO Max. Max is where their Max is, of course where they're going to start debuting NBA games. They're going to start flirting with some playoff matchups as well through Turner. So I think that's the lane for the college football playoff. If they're going to bid on that, you're also going to get max as well as the Turner networks. Yeah. And I mean, with the NCAA tournament really being all they have at the moment, I mean, why not go in on something else? That deal runs through 2032. Uh, for the NCAA tournament, so if, if you're looking to make a splash and definitely and it, get into that, hey, and it took time, and it took Turner getting in with CBS to keep ESPN's hands off of the tournament, but it worked. It, that's but that's why they had to do it. You know why is yeah. the Final Four on Turner? It's because they didn't want it on ESPN. CBS acquiesced, and they teamed together and made it happen. Let's, um, let's go. Let's get the uh, the eight oh seven kickoff times. For the college football playoffs, the, the official times, yeah. yes. We'll go <laughs> the uh, the old the old school newspapers and Turner, or where you can find the the eight oh seven kickoffs uh, for the college football playoff. Speaking of uh, college football playoff, let's roll through an update. We did this preseason. Let's roll through an update where we have certain programs right now because I think, I mean, it, it's tough because there are certain programs for me that I really like, but they haven't played the type of opponents that others have. And I don't want to be critical of, you know, this team didn't beat this other team by a certain amount of points. And well, they actually scheduled a home and home with that team. Unlike for instance, Michigan. Um, but starting from four and, and let's go into uh, number one, Davey. And I'll, I'll start this off. Oklahoma just won over Texas. I still have the Longhorns getting in because I think the Longhorns, are that talented, number one. I'm a believer in Quinn Ewers putting it together. I'm a believer in that defensive front. I saw what happened against Alabama, and that win looks much better now than it did two weeks ago. And I think we will have a rematch against Oklahoma for the Big 12 championship game. The big, the, the, Not just the Big 12 championship, the championship games in general are going to carry more weight than they ever have before based on the landscape of this college football season. I think Texas wins that game. They're in in the fourth spot. In the final week, uh, it's not a bad pick. You at least know they're going to have that opportunity again. I, I think they went out in the Big Twelve and they do get that chance against uh, Oklahoma for a rematch. I'm going out West Hut, and right now this like we do this this drill next week. We'll learn a lot because I'm going with the Oregon Ducks as my fourth team in the college football playoff. I look at the Pac-12, and while it is the best conference, I think Oregon's got the best defense of all these teams, and so that's why right yeah. now they get the lead. I mean, all, all these teams have veteran quarterbacks that have been able to make solid advancements towards their teams, and Bo Nix, he's been around. He understands it. 
him and Dan Lanning, uh, they lose to uh, Washington this week. We could be having them flipped with the Huskies. But right now, I'm going to go with uh, the Oregon Ducks at four. I had Oregon in my playoff to begin the season. I'm flipping it, though, because of what I've seen from Michael Penix Jr. Shout out Chad, uh, who has Penix as his Heisman um, prediction, I believe, to begin the season. And that's where I would have it right now, too. Uh, It's a great showdown on Saturday. I think that there's a chance that we see a rematch here as well. But... Washington, to me, can beat any team in college football. Oregon can as well, but I think it takes more convincing me for, for me to buy in. So give me Washington and the Huskies at number three uh, at overall for me. I'm going to go to the Big Ten, and I'll just go ahead and say it. I only got one Big Ten team in the playoffs, and I'm going with Penn State. Michigan, they haven't played anybody. Ohio State... I just can't I, I can't look at that schedule. I don't trust Kyle McCord enough to put them in this conversation to where they're going to ultimately come out That's on top. Fair. And so uh, Penn State, what James Franklin's doing with that team right now, I, I think they have a incredible defense, and I, I think they're going to be able to do enough on offense to where they should be the three seed. Number two for me, I've got one team in as well. I, I like Penn State. I'm rooting for Penn State. I said this earlier in their show. I'd, I'd love to see them in the four-team playoff. Uh, Michigan's going to be in. Michigan, there's a debate right now, is Michigan the top team in the country? And they very well may be. But I can't put them number one just based on their schedule. They have dominated. They've done everything they should be doing. But I I just need to see better competition for me to validate that opinion. I do know, based on what we've seen last year uh, and what they have coming back and how they've started the season and how they have just shellacked opponents... They're basically the same group, if not better. They're the number two team. They should win the Big Ten. And if I'm headed over to PointsBet right now at outkick.com slash bet, that's exactly where you would see my account slated. I've got the Wolverines winning. They're the number two seed. Hut going with my number two. I've got the Oklahoma Sooners. I think OU, what they did to Texas. I, I mean, it has just been a night and day scenario for this team from last year to this year. They're playing at such a great level. They got their signature win, and right now, based off everything else that's happened in college football, I got them number two. Not bad. I mean, if Oklahoma continues to do what they've done, they're, they're in that spot. I think they lose. That's why Texas is my four. My number one is Georgia. Um, I do think we saw the real Georgia stand up this past Saturday, and uh, how it, it's hard for me to look at the offense and say – say that they're not going to be able to do what they've done moving forward compared to the first six games of the season. Um, Davey, uh, they've been down in second halves, yes. The offense has then turned it on. And then the complete performance happened on Saturday. Maybe I'm too putting too much, too much on Kentucky. But I just, I think Georgia's the cream of the crop and they'll be the number one seed at the end of this. In terms of talent, they are still number one in the country. And while I still have some reservations about Carson Beck and whether he can get it done, they put up 51 points against a team that was argued to have a really, really good defense in the SEC. I'm with you, Hutton. I've got Georgia number one. They haven't lost since the SEC championship game against Alabama in 2021. And until they give me reason to doubt them, I I can't pick against them. And so it looks – I mean, right now, all things considered – you got them back in the college football playoff for the third straight year. I do. I do. That Good teams improve. Great teams improve to that elite category. And Georgia 
seems to be on that trajectory. They're the new Alabama. Yeah, they have been. They have been, right? So my top four, uh, Georgia at number one, Michigan at number two, at number three, Washington, the Huskies jumping into the college football playoff for me uh, compared to my preseason pick of Oregon and uh, give me Texas, who I think wins in a rematch of the Big 12 title game against Oklahoma. I've got the Longhorns in it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how all this is going to play out. But yeah, my four, I've got the Ducks at four, the Nittany Lions at three, the Sooners at two, and the Bulldogs at number one. What a uh, run that would be for James Franklin. He needs that. That The Big Ten East. I mean, that. right He'd now, get another big raise, too, if he had that. I would say it's on par as far as just interesting to watch compared to what the Pac-12 is going for right now. Like That's, that's where the, the fight's at. Jim Nagy's about to join us. He's the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, scouting the country for next year's NFL draft process, looking at what he's just sent me. He wants to preview USC Notre Dame and the talent that we're going to see in the NFL next year that will be on display Saturday night. That's next. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network. Withrow's back. Can't wait. He's back with us tomorrow. Uh, the Withrow Retreat, the Withrow Men Retreat, plus uh, fall break. Well-deserved. A couple days off there. Deserves more, quite frankly. He would say that. I'll vouch for that. Coming up, um, Jim Nagy about to join us. Uh, from the Reese's Senior Bowl for his weekly visit. We'll get the scouting report from all of the reports and files that have been sent his way from his scouts that work exclusively for the Senior Bowl that go to the best games in the country to seem the best talent across college football uh, each and every Saturday. NFL uh, news from today. Uh, Justin Jefferson, top wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings, best in the league. Uh, hamstring injury. He's headed to injured reserve. Had a second opinion, maybe a third opinion. Uh, he said he was going to get multiple opinions before they decided to shut him down for at least a, a portion of this season. And that leaves the Vikings in a, a really bad shape. They're already one and four. They're already in bad shape. But Jefferson leads the Vikings in receiving by a lot. 570 yards. That's more than TJ Hawkinson and Jordan Addison combined. And he's averaging 10-plus yards per target. That's well over two and a half yards better than any other Vikings receiver. And now the upcoming matchups for Minnesota. Three games against Chicago, against San Francisco, and against Green Bay. At one and four, where is their record going to be at Halloween? Because that is the NFL trade deadline. Those are the three opponents that leads you into October 31st. And they're in a division where 
They're competitive. Record-wise, they're not. They just lost in overtime to Kansas City. And 27-20 in that loss, a win would be maybe fool's gold. Maybe not so much because Green Bay lost last night uh, on the road against the Raiders. My point, though, they still feel like they're extremely competitive. And they have been. They're just not winning games the way they won games last year. Tight window ball games, one possession games, winning 13 games a year ago. They're not headed down that path. Do they feel like they can be a backdoor contender for a wild card spot? Maybe. But I think at some point, and maybe it takes two more losses out of these three. Maybe it's just one, depending on not if you lose, but how you lose and who you lose to. Playing San Francisco doesn't look great. They're on the road against Chicago this coming week. That could be a tell-all, quite frankly, because it's a team you got to beat. And it's a Vikings team that should be winning more than they're losing to this point, and they've just lost their top receiver and top player on their roster. Does that mean they're going to be trading away some talent? Specifically, Kirk Cousins uh, is who I'm referring to because they have the final year of his contract, He's not going to be back. We know that just based on the salary cap, based on the money it would take to bring him back. And also just think about the money that's allocated already to Hawkinson with the extension. They also just, they know they're going to pay a mega contract to Jefferson. And they've uh, allocated some funds on defense as well. That's where they also need some more improvement. It's not going to be with Cousins. So, are they going to be a trade deadline seller? Possibly. A buyer needs to be the Kansas City Chiefs. Van Jefferson today traded to the Atlanta Falcons. Cooper Cup's return in L.A. facilitated this, but really Jefferson was a non-factor even when Cup wasn't in the game or not allowed, or excuse me, not allowed to play based on being on IR due to his injury. You see the, uh, they flipped picks and the late round picks in 2025 for this. But Puka Nakua, his emergence, allowed Jefferson to be the odd man out. Tutu Atwell is also uh, in the mix there. And so Atlanta trades for Van Jefferson. And I bring up Atlanta because he's joining a group of receivers that are a lot like, well, Van Jefferson, at least production-wise. And a group that's a lot like Van Jefferson as well, production-wise, is in Kansas City. I think the Chiefs need to be buyers at the deadline for the, the, the wide receiver position. Atlanta's trying to improve on what we've seen from Desmond Ritter. They did that this past week against Houston. Dead wrong on that prediction, by the way. Uh, I'll fall on the sword for that. Wide receivers, though, in Kansas City. They've combined for two touchdown catches this season. The wide receiving core. They are they're missing the true number one group, the true number one guy. Tyreek Hill had somewhere around 115 catches two years ago. Nine or ten touchdowns that year. Juju Smith-Schuster had three touchdowns, but nearly 80 catches a year ago for Kansas City. And no, I'm not putting Kelsey in this group. Kelsey is the known factor. They need the other outlet. The Chiefs wide receivers combined for 65 yards on seven catches against the Jets. And you've got Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes who are just not getting that type of production from the guys who are paid to give them production. 
bigger pay does not mean more production. Case in point is Marquez Valdez-Scantling. He's the $10 million per year player. Sky Moore, they invest heavily in him in the draft. Rashi Rice, uh, Rashi Rice, who has been good, but again, role player. Kadarius Toney, traded for him last year, should be better. Nine catches for 57 yards. And then Richie James, again, just role player at best. They need the consistent player week to week. And I think the Chiefs are not that juggernaut because they don't have that consistent player like we've seen in past years if Kelsey's either A, not available, or B, taken away. We say uh, hello to Jim Nagy of the Reese's Senior Bowl who jumps into the mix. Uh, Jim, always great to see you, man. Hope things are well. Yeah, everything's good, man. Good to see you again. Yeah, man. Uh, so Welcome back. Uh, yeah, great to be back. <laughs> uh, great to always have you back on the show. Um, let's, get, let's dive into what the week is going to look like for you coming up, scouting-wise, uh, because you, you mentioned this a couple weeks back. Hey, you've got some uh, conference matchups that you're diving into, and, and the, the, the conference play certainly allows you to scout more of the top uh, program talent. Notre Dame-USC comes to mind. Washington and Oregon as well. I know you'll be uh, you'll have eyes on both of those games. Yeah, it's it's a couple good ones. You're right. We're getting we're getting a better look at some of these uh, Power Five programs now that they're playing each other. Uh, it's going to take everything I can not to get on a plane and go to Seattle. You know that was uh, yeah that was my last that was my last job before before, before coming here to the Senior Bowl we're out there with the Seahawks. So uh, that's going to be a hard one to stay away from with Michael Penix Jr. in Bo Nix. Uh, huge matchup, um, big college football playoff ramifications uh, in that game. A lot of star power, a lot of playmakers, so that should be a fun one. Um, you know, unlike USC, and we'll touch on them too in the Notre Dame matchup, uh, both the, the Oregon defense and Washington's defense both have NFL guys on them. I mean, USC's does too, but the other two units are just playing better. Should be a really good matchup. And, and then uh, Notre Dame and USC, again, this is, this is a really pivotal game. For Notre Dame to bounce back, they've been in a couple close ones. You know, they pulled out the Duke win. Uh, they lose to Louisville, so a really big bounce back opportunity. Sam Hartman's got to play better, um, and they got to play better around Sam. And then for USC, they've, they've had a couple close ones um, against Colorado and then last week in overtime against Arizona, which a lot of people probably didn't expect. Arizona kind of took them right down there to the wire. Uh, Jed Fish's team is improving. That's, uh, that's, a, that's a, a much better Arizona team than we've seen. In past years, but uh, USC came through, so uh, this will be a big one. That'll 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 be a fun game as well. A couple of really good ones. Halfway Heisman discussion right now. <laughs> Who catches your eye and why? Well, a lot of those names we just said. I think you can start with Bo Nix, Penix. Uh, you know, the the reigning Heisman winner, Caleb Williams, will, will be in that mix for sure. Uh, you could probably throw Jalen Jaden Daniels in there from LSU. He's playing at a really high level. A couple of the losses probably hurt him. Uh, you know, if you're going non-quarterback, we were talking about that in the office today. If you, if you go non-quarterback, who is it? There's not like a running back who's just had a bust out year. There's really not a receiver. There's a lot of good ones. Yeah. Um, but you really have to be, you have to be like have one of those special years to kind of be a non-quarterback at this point. And, and maybe that guy's Brock Bowers. Maybe he's the rare tight end. We, I don't know if we've seen that. I was trying to rack my brain on that. When was the last time we've, we've seen a tight end in the mix for the Heisman. So, uh, but he's, he's had a couple of really good games back-to-back -back against Auburn, which I was there for, witnessed that one in person. 
and then just got done watching the tape of that Kentucky game the other day. And, and he was really good in that. He, he did drop a touchdown late in the game. I was shocked. Uh, you never see that guy drop anything, but yeah. uh, man, it'd be, it'd be cool. It'd be cool to see Bowers in the mix. Uh, so and uh, all of your years of scouting, how many players do you come across, Jim, where you could, oh, that guy could go pro after one year of college. That, that was the discussion about Bowers. Had he been eligible, yeah. many thought he, he would go and he'd be a first-round pick. Uh, how often does that happen? Not often. I mean, you're talking once every five, ten years you might see a guy. And really, it's about the physical development more so than the skill the skill level. Some guys are skilled enough. They're just not big and strong enough at that point to their bodies to withstand a, a you know 17-game schedule. So, um, you know, Adrian Peterson comes to mind, guys like that, but there hasn't been many. I was actually at a, a, a game Bowers freshman year um, against South Carolina. And my son was up there with me on a little recruiting trip. Um, it was the day uh, Arch Manning was there on his recruiting trip. Okay. Oscar Delp, Oscar Delp, who's now their backup tight end behind Bowers, was there that day. Uh, but yeah, he was he was close, man. I mean, if, if there was if he was physically capable of doing it. And I remember talking to guys that day in the building about. Uh, about about Bowers and that they knew they had something. They knew they had something really good when they recruited him. But just watching that ball out there in Napa, California, they they didn't know truly what it what it would look like once they got him on campus. But uh, he he uh, he announced himself pretty quickly on what he was going to be in college football. Jim Nagy with us, uh, executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. I, I, a player in the league that you're familiar with, uh, Brock Purdy. I'm done hearing the 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 critics tell me that Purdy is just this system guy. Uh, and it's not just based on one win. It's just that every time I watch him play, Jim, accurate, smart with the football, uh, making plays, he finds the right play. Maybe more importantly, he keeps them out of the wrong play, and he wins. He's a baller. If it were that easy to yeah. just drop into a Shanahan's system, Trey Lance would be great, and he's not. Well, it, Trey, Trey certainly didn't really have an opportunity. Brock kind of stole his opportunity from him, right? Um, yeah, no, Brock's a guy, um, again, we blew it on him here. I didn't invite him to the Senior Bowl. So that's a, a huge, huge mark on my, a huge bad mark on my record. Well, everyone um, passed on him except for Sam Fran, the final pick, too. I mean, again, like, it's, it's, a, it's amazing yeah. what we've seen from him. And what you try to do is learn from your mistakes, right? I mean, last year's game, two years ago, we had, you know, Desmond Ritter and Sam Howell and Kenny Pickett, a bunch of guys that are starting quarterbacks. Malik Willis was, was in that game. Um, Bailey Zappi was in that game, you know, went in the fourth round. So um, again, and we take input from the teams, but I'm not, I'm not shying away. That's, that's my mistake. But where I've learned from that is, is Brock played whatever it was, 46 career starts, 45 career starts, played a ton of football, um, something I always look at with quarterbacks is do they elevate the guys around them, right? Like, do they make, do they, do, do they take a program that typically shouldn't go certain places and they take them there like Desmond Ritter did at Cincinnati, taking the first group of five team to a college football playoff. And, and, you know, Brock Purdy got Iowa state to a big 12 championship game. And now you look at what Iowa state's been the last couple of years Without him, I mean, they've, they've fallen off. And I think Matt Campbell's a phenomenal coach. It's a great program, what he's built there. Um, but they're not the same without Brock. So those are some lessons for me, like going back to like guys' experience level, how many big games have they played in? Have they elevated a program? Brock did all that. So, and he's doing it in San Fran. You can say all you want about supporting cast. I mean, then they have all that. They have a defense. They have skilled players. Um, but he's making it all go right now. 
Uh, before I ask the final, can you stick around through the break, or do you have to go right here? No, I'm good. Okay, we got a final minute here on this, though. I'm gonna just tie in Purdy and the invites. Guys have to accept the invite too. I get that. How many quarterbacks are you looking at and considering, Jim, for the Senior Bowl, and how many spots are you actually inviting? Well, there's there. You know, we'll probably invite six this year. We've we've had as many as eight. Okay. Um, and what that does is it, it, it can, it can take away from reps, you know, like we want to have these guys have as many reps as possible. Um, so I haven't really decided where we're going to land this year. Cause it's a, it's a really big class It is um, from a, from a volume perspective. I think we're pretty locked in about on about four or five of them right now. And now we're just trying to decide like, who's going to get either that final spot or those final three spots. And again, we will definitely include the NFL in those conversations and see, uh, see where they're at with this class as well. But I think there's four or five that are pretty safe that we feel good about. Jim Nagy's the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. He'll stick around with us coming up. Uh, he spent uh, some time in his career in New England. Got to ask about what we're seeing right now and Mac Jones and Belichick. And man, it's just, it's wild to see it on the opposite end of things now in Foxborough. We'll also get back into some of the better college matchups this weekend and some senior takes that have a chance to be in Mobile and on their way to the NFL next April. Stay tuned. More coming right here on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us. And uh, what's been a, a fast-paced show on this Tuesday edition. Withrow back with us tomorrow. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Jim Nagy, our guest... Executive Director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. Jim, uh, your time in New England, you know the Patriot way, right? You know what the, the type of talent everyone's looking for and how you bring in and everyone just kind of files up in, in line there. Man, it looks the, the opposite of what I'm sure you uh, are familiar with based on what we've seen the start of this season. 156 yards of, of total offense against the Saints, three turnovers. Mac Jones benched for the second consecutive week. 72 to three, I believe, is the combined score over the last two weeks. It doesn't look like there's light at the end of the tunnel either. I think people are asking, like, can it get worse? Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Belichick's admitting they need to start over, whatever that means. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it certainly looks different. There's no doubt. Um, I'd say, you know, kind of one of the trademarks of those Patriot teams that I was a part of, and I was there from 02 to 09. Um, you know, we just got the most out of our players. Uh, you know, it was a fun place to scout because, you know, Bill and the coaching staff, they really had clear, clear definitions of what they looked for in certain position groups and what skill sets and what traits they wanted. And then if we went out and found them as a scouting department, um, you know, they, they usually found a way to, to, to implement that guy on the field and get the most out of them. And, um, you know, I'd say the biggest thing that sticks out is just just the, the handling of Mac Jones. I mean, how many quarterbacks come into the league, go to a Pro Bowl their first year, take a probably averagely talented team to to the playoffs as a rookie and then have this kind of regression? I, I was why I, I saw parts of that game on TV the other day against the Saints. And uh, I mean, Mac, if you've ever been around Mac Jones, he is a supremely confident guy. Um, and that stems from his preparation. I mean, this dude is, is, he's like a, he's a dying breed when it comes to being a gym rat. We saw that down here at the senior bowl when he was down here, we had to kick him out of the film room at after midnight, two of the nights we were down here. 
so he'd go get some sleep. But uh, he just didn't look – he looked like a shell of himself on the sidelines. He looked frustrated. He didn't look confident. Um, even watching him play, he didn't look confident. He was choking the ball off. It, like, he wasn't clear what he was seeing. And that's never been Mac. I mean, his first day down here at the Senior Bowl, what's made him different than any quarterback we've had in my five years here, uh, including guys like Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts, is day one – Mac Jones knew where to go with the football. A lot of these guys are, I mean, you got to understand they're getting a new playbook. They're, they're trying to learn verbiage. They're getting in a huddle for the first time in their life for most of these guys. So the first day is usually pretty rocky and scouts give those guys a kind of a pass on, on Tuesday. Um, but Mac came out firing on the, on the first day and looked great. So just to see where he's at now from where he was as a rookie playing at a high level, man, I, I don't know if I've ever seen anything like it. Yeah, and you mentioned just knowing where to go with the football. I mean, it does stand out if you know where to go in that scenario on that Tuesday you're talking about. Uh, he's got, what, four pick sixes now at Gillette Stadium. There's always a Brady tie-in. That is as many as Tom Brady threw at Gillette Stadium his entire career. I mean, it's just, wow. it's crazy to think about. And, and he's going to be compared there because he was the 15th pick or whatever. Um, and it, 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 he even fell to New England at 15, where many thought they're going to, have to trade up in a draft where many thought that the 49ers were trading up to get him uh, instead of Lance at the time, whenever that preseason trade yeah. or offseason trade went in. And he ends up falling directly to Bill Belichick, and everyone's just like, oh, of course. The Patriots get right. their guy. And I, the handling of him really in year two with the coaching staff is what has just is mind boggling. It's almost like the Bill O'Brien insert was a. More, more a Robert Kraft thing than it was a Belichick thing. Well, we, you know, we talked about Brock Purdy in the last segment. Yeah. Look at, look at how that, that, look at how that played out. That's right. You know, if, yeah. if they, if they, a lot of people thought it was going to be Mac Jones at four rather than, um, or the trade up instead of yes. instead of Trey Lance, I thought it was going to be Mac. And 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 again, I know some people in that building, and there was a, there was a large faction in that building that wanted it to be Mac. Now, now, what with everything you said about Brock Purdy, and you were correct about with him knowing where to go with the ball and smart and accurate and poised. That's all stuff. That's all the stuff Mac is right. But he's, you know, Brock Purdy's playing for Kyle Shanahan and Mac Jones is now on his third coordinator in three years. And like you said, I mean, Matt Patricia, I worked with Matt for a long time. Um, great defensive coach, but I mean, how many, how many organizations would do that? Put a guy that's never coached on one side of the ball and put him in charge of a young quarterback who's coming off a pro bowl. Like the whole thing, when you say it out loud, you know, it doesn't even make sense, especially yeah. for a guy that's as smart as coach Belichick. So, um, but here we are and it's uh it, it's a messy place. They're in a messy place right now. You, you mentioned Bailey Zappi. What many thought that Belichick really liked him a year ago, they end up cutting him and allow him to get the waiver wire in the preseason. They get him back on the practice squad uh give it give me your thoughts on zappy the qb and why we haven't seen him and, and i know you have to be in we don't know what the conversations are like but they've gone back to mac jones now after benching him uh in a week after uh, dallas at what point do you think zappy gets his turn and is does he have the skill set to be that guy well, I think you got to ride it out with Mac a little longer and, and see where this goes. Because again, in the big scheme of things, they're they're in a new offense, right? Like everyone, yes, Bill O'Brien was there for a long time, and I was there with him the, all the years that Bill was there. We were there together, um, so it feels like Bill's been a Patriot, but he was out of the building for like 15 years. Like this is 
you know, he knows his way around the building, but these players don't know Bill O'Brien. So, so I think they got to give Mac a little more time. And, and, and Bailey honestly has a lot of the same skill set. Like I, I said, that being a gym rat's a dying breed. Bailey is too. Like Bailey's a football junkie. He studies it. Um, you know, coming out of college, I don't think people gave Bailey enough credit for his arm strength. He's probably got a little stronger arm than Mac. Um, and he had success last year, man. I mean, he, he did, he went two and zero as a starter. Um, I think he was the only guy in the Super Bowl era, only rookie quarterback to go two and zero in his first two games with like 125 quarterback rating. And there was some other stat thrown in there, but like a crazy stat that had never happened before. And it, and it happened with Bailey. So, um, at some point, if this thing doesn't rebound, they're going to have to go to him. And then I think if you're the Patriots, you got to figure out, okay, if Max certainly not the guy. Then let's let's audition. Let's give Bailey a long enough audition to see if he is the guy. And then if he's not, you're probably in a place where you're going to be able to draft maybe not a Caleb Williams or a Drake May. Maybe you are, um, but maybe you're in a position to take Bo Nix or Jaden Daniels. But they that's something they're going to have to figure out. And it's just crazy sitting here, two years removed from Mac Jones going to the Pro Bowl as a rookie. That we're talking about scenarios where they would be drafting another quarterback. Totally agree. Jim Nagy with us. Final thing, Jim, and just going back to college scouting for a moment and the factors into the senior bowl. Uh, in the league, the last couple of years, I, I think line play has really regressed. I, with the extra COVID year, maybe that's played a factor in guys not going pro early. Maybe not. But I'm, I'm curious, the extra year on the, on the fronts, in the trenches, especially on offense, how much is that going to help a guy's case guys that you're scouting right now that have cho- that decided to come back for that extra year instead of go out early and enter the league in this past draft maybe a change of position maybe proving you can play more than just an inside spot how often do you see a guy progress as you know he kind of reaches the body type that the nfl is looking for well, you hit on one point, and, and guys are certainly staying in more. We've seen that with the junior numbers. They peaked back in 2019. There was like 140-some juniors that came out in that draft in, in 19. This past year, it was down in the 70s. It's almost been cut wow. in half. So, wow. You know, so the, the NIL has really helped keep these guys in school. And I would say just big picture why that's – I mean, we're seeing it across the league, right? Every week you turn on the Giants or, you know, whoever we're watching, they can't protect the quarterback. It's in Daniel every game. Jones is I think it's in every yeah. game. Daniel Jones is getting killed back there. I mean, I mean, some of these games we're watching. So to me, what it goes back to is the, the last CBA that they did in the National Football League. And again, I understand why the players wanted it, you know, right? But there's 14 padded practices during a season. So that's one less than one a week on average that you can put pads on. So yes, and that's why we're seeing great skill play around the league, great receivers, great cornerback play from these young guys, because you can play seven on seven all you want. Where we're seeing the regression in football right now is in the trenches because they can't bang. They can't. How do you hone your craft when you really can't do your craft? And right now in the NFL, in the offseason, you think they're putting pads on in the spring and in, in training camp? No, they're not. Um, so you get to the games and there's no cohesion. You you can walk through certain, you can't walk through offensive and defensive line play. So it's not going to get better. Um, so for these young guys, and I haven't even really thought about this, but like, these young offensive linemen playing college football route and linemen, like it behooves them to stay in and get as many yeah. physical, aggressive, 
violent reps as they can possibly get because when they get to the National Football League, they're just not going to get them. That's a great point. And what amazes me, you mentioned that how many maximum 14 padded practices during the season. A lot of coaches don't even use them. You no. know, they, they don't even come, like, they'll use nine or 10 of them. Uh, and then you, you mentioned when you can actually hone your crap preseason games, those dudes aren't out there but longer than two or three series at best on right. average. I, I don't understand the approach knowing the results that we're seeing. No, and again, the CBA was done years ago. Yeah. Um, it's hurt the on-field product. It really has. I understand why a lot of things were put in place, player safety, rest, recovery. I get it. Um, and maybe we just have to live with it. But um, the actual on-field product probably peaked 10 years ago, um, you know, especially especially on the lines. Well, not, not the mobile quarterbacks, they – you know, it's just it's crazy how the the league has uh, changed. It's more of the college influence, and it certainly affected that because we're not running the football as much. And the, the well, and that's that's the other thing, Jonathan. That's the other point we we're talking about this the other day. Uh, I was talking about this with the GM, and we we're talking about quarterbacks. They they get rushed on the field now, so there's no there's no time to wait. So in order, you you know that you're gonna if you draft them high, you're gonna be playing them. And if you play them, they have to know what they're doing. So that's why you're seeing all these college concepts pulled up. It's because we're trying to rush quarterbacks on the field. And if they, we got to let, they, they've got to know what they're doing. They can't learn our playbook. We got to pull some stuff up from what they were doing at college. And so that's, that's where you've seen it, you know, be kind of pulled up and, and pros stealing from the, uh, the pros stealing from the college guys is because the quarterbacks are getting rushed on the field and that's bad for development too. No doubt. So we're talking about bad. We're talking about bad development on the line. <laughs> we're talking about bad development at quarterback. Jim, it's always great, man. Uh, where are you headed this weekend? Um, to be determined right now, uh, it was going to be South Carolina. I'm okay. still kind of weighing through that. I, I, I'm really on, I, I'm really like fighting myself not to get on a plane and go to Seattle and watch that UW Oregon. What well, odds right now, percentage chance you go, you hit the flight and you go there. It's probably it's probably fifty fifty. Okay, I oh, that you're going with, then. You're going. I gotta I gotta have that talk with my wife. So we'll see. <laughs> so it's fifty one forty nine is what I hear. Right. Yeah. Yes. I got, well, here's hoping you get to go to that game, man. <laughs> All right. Good to be on with you hey, again. Thank have a you great so week. much. Yeah. Appreciate you, Jim Nagy. Uh, excellent at what he does, and so is the Senior Bowl. I, I've maintained now for a, a, a several years uh, the difference is glaring, and the what you get out of the combine compared to what you get out of the senior bowl and the production and the, the, the time spent with players, you have the interviews uh, behind the scenes, you can do anything you can, uh, as a player you can go talk to all 32 teams now at the, uh, at the senior bowl. You can do that as a car wash, of course, with, uh, with the combine too, but half the time, number one, you're not in pads at the combine. And number two, half the time, the guys aren't participating in those drills. If the player accepts the invite to the Senior Bowl, they're there to play and impress. Uh, I, I really like what he's done there in, in Mobile. Davey, uh, do you have an update on the computer there of the Astros game, by chance? Uh, I Last I checked, it was, it was 5 nothing. Okay. So they, they, it is. So it remains 5 nothing. Bottom five. Yes, bottom of the fifth. Astros uh, got up. 4-0 in the first. Yes, bottom of the fifth, still 5-0. Um, How about the Twins, man? Two on, one out. Tw great series, too. Um, Orioles, uh, not playing like my O's. I mean, I've, I found the reason why they're not playing well. Go ahead. It's the Rangers, man. They've, they've figured it out. They have uh, there's a certain band. 
They have decided <laughs> oh, God. that we're going to make sure we're yeah. just going to rally around them. But the Rangers, I, I'm all in. That's my new AL team. They're rallying around Creed. Okay, it's they not even, Sweet Caroline. They even have secret handshakes around. I don't know. It's like higher. They just go as the <laughs> highest high five as possible with arms wide open. They're a chest bump. I don't know, but it's working for them. And I'm on board with them as well. Jim Nagy is going to Seattle and in order to see Creed. Home Dave, he can't, go, he can't go to a... Uh, Cruz, he's got to go watch a Rangers game. Back at it tomorrow. Hot Mike with Huddy Withrow starts at 3 o'clock Eastern.